Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. Hey, do we sound different today, John? We sound different to me. It's weird. It is a little odd. It's almost like we have real recording equipment instead of a $20 uh, recorder we got. It was like $60. I don't remember. It's been so long. It lasted almost two years. It was nice. It did. It, was, and it wasn't bad. It did, it did its job well. It was money well spent. But we have new stuff today. I guess I should officially announce uh, today's uh, podcast is being brought to you by Behringer. Behringer for all your audio products. Or wait, this podcast is being brought to you by Amazon where we bought everything. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we don't mention their names unless they give us money. Yeah, they don't need the advertisement. That's yeah, yeah. Amazon's hurting. <laughs> so we got new stuff. We're gonna do a before and after picture on the Instagram, so you can see. Uh, yes, how much more ridiculous we look now. Yeah, we had uh, one little thing in the middle of the desk, and now we have all this equipment. So what's going on? Um, not much. Right, is that a segue? <laughs> yeah, that's my segue. I don't have a question today. We, have other well, we don't have to a cover. question today because we got a wonderful uh, piece of fan mail from uh, a doctor, a, a chemist, a research chemist at should the I, CDC down in Atlanta. Yeah, should I just read this whole thing? He's uh, I, he's a zombie, I think. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the we're never doing a walking dead podcast there's other people doing that uh he just says uh guys i've been listening to your podcast since about your third episode and i've enjoyed all of them at worst you guys are mildly entertaining and at best you guys actually make me laugh out loud i remember you mentioning in one of your early episodes that you have a listener in atlanta I think that was me. So whenever you guys say no one is listening, rest assured there's a research chemist at the CDC in Atlanta listening to you guys when he needs something to help him get through the more mundane tasks. Cheers. The more mundane tasks of saving us from zombies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm really excited. I imagine him typing this up, smoking his pipe, because he's a scientist. (laughs) Oh, right. He's a scientist, so he has to have a pipe. I also assume that he has, like, dark hair that's graying at the temples. It's a good look. And he says he's a chemist, but he's a scientist, which means... He's Tony Stark? He can do anything. Oh, no. Oh, he's more like Dr. Pym. Any sign, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, hopefully not more like Dr. <laughs> well, I was wondering if he's built a robot. Got a robot down there. He's working on it. We can't thank you enough for the for the email. It, it really cheered us up, Dr. S. And I think it also uh, encouraged us. We went, wait, someone that we don't personally know is listening to the podcast. Maybe we should update the equipment. And that's exactly what we did. So, hey, thanks. You, you, you cost us money. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> if we sound better, if you if you like the way we sound, it is, it is all up. To, it's all because of you. If you don't like the way we sound, blame it on somebody else. And that also a segue into the fact we just looked up our uh, our listing on iTunes because we were trying to listen to see if what we're recording now sounded so much different than what we had before and we realized that we had some reviews on iTunes that I hadn't noticed before and we would like to encourage more reviews yeah we, we have more reviews than we knew and if you would be willing to leave us a review on iTunes um, the more stars the better yeah that'd be nice that would be greatly appreciated and I think that after so many I don't know how many it takes but we'll eventually get in like an official star rating for iTunes and, yeah which would be nice as well and then, and then you know we're gonna have to raise the price <laughs> we're gonna double it we're double what you're paying now should we get into it uh, why not all right previously on the avenging hour wasp became the new team chairperson egghead blackmailed hank pym into giving his niece a robot arm then a little kid kept killing himself until he turned into a sun monster and oh my god it was so awful and now episode 97 it really was awful you know i realize as you're saying this and people are hearing clicking in the background that i have to be a little bit more careful about what i do because you can really hear it with this yeah it's definitely more amplified now so stop making noises just leave the room (laughs) (laughs) issue 219 may 1982 by jim shooter and bob hall this one is called by divine right it's snowing in new york and the newly single janet van dyne is having her hair done by a guy named vidal in a leopard print shirt she seems impressed with his ability to make her hair look like a poodle i guess you shouldn't expect much finesse from a salon creatively named hair cutters perhaps that's why she abruptly leaves the place without paying in fact she leaves so abruptly that she turns into wasp without even having a costume to wear at the legendary boardwalk casino in atlantic
Atlantic City, Tony Stark is laying down $50,000 blackjack bets to impress a nearby prostitute when he suddenly gets the urge to get the hell out of there, change into Iron Man, and fly off somewhere. On the mean streets of Soho, Captain America tussles with Stu, Elliot, and Squid after an armed robbery. After briefly assaulting the three thugs, Cap hops on his motorcycle and rushes away. Meanwhile, back at Avengers Mansion, Jarvis is stuck shoveling the sidewalk until Thor shows up and uses his powers to blow the snow away. Jarvis invites him inside to watch the Knicks game, but Thor flies off unexpectedly. So where is everyone headed? Well, it seems that Moondragon's ship is hovering over a scrapyard in Brooklyn. It all looks quite suspicious, so maybe the entire team should simply rush inside and get transported to a faraway planet. The Avengers assemble inside the ship, where they're treated to a friendly video from Drax the Destroyer, explaining that his daughter Moondragon has become queen of the Babani, but there's some sort of danger. Before he can reveal the source, his video cuts out like Princess Leia, and it's left a mystery. The team lands on the planet of Babani and quickly becomes acclimated to the planet's language. They meet up with Drax and Moondragon. They learn that some rebel scum are approaching the capital and must be stopped. Even though something clearly doesn't jibe, Wasp announces that they'll help beat up some aliens for Moondragon. The fight itself is pretty lame, aside from Cap nearly getting disintegrated while Drax casually observes. With the threat eliminated, the team decides to stick around an extra day and see the sights. Cap and Wasp want to meet the people and support the alien economy. Iron Man wants to check out the technology. Thor just wants to wander off. After buying a new outfit to replace the tarp and handkerchief combo she was wearing, Wasp joins Captain America on his sky sled as they go back to check out their previous battlefield. But what's this? The rebel leaders are now helping to clean up, suddenly compelled out of their violent urges. At the city communication center, Iron Man watches a video of the battle and sees Drax hanging out watching the whole thing. Drax explains that he had no urge to help as if someone had just zapped it out of him. Iron Man yells at him, reminding him that he's Drax the Destroyer, not Drax the Pacifist. Meanwhile, back at Moondragon's house, Thor realizes he's being mind-controlled, but as soon as Mooney offers up a little freaky action, Thor shrugs and heads to bed, and we're all left wondering what the heck is going on to be continued. So, uh, oh no, you have more to do. I have more to do here. The roll call, in fact. Wasp, Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. That's our team. Uh, Jarvis is shoveling the sidewalk. Drax the Destroyer is playing go-between. And our villain is clearly Moondragon. And then I guess we should talk about Drax the Destroyer. Yeah, this is his first time in the comic. I'm completely rushing through all this for some reason. (laughs) Drax the Destroyer, previously known as Arthur Douglas, first appeared in February 1973 in Iron Man number 55 and was created by Jim Starlin and Mike Friedrich. Iron Man repeats his origin story next issue, but for those who can't wait an extra five minutes, it's basically this. He was driving the car that got zapped by Thanos when Moondragon was rescued by the Eternals. One of the Eternals saved his spirit and shoved it into a new body, then basically programmed him to hunt down Thanos. He has enhanced strength and endurance, flight and energy projection from his hands for no apparent reason. Two things, just I want to make sure of. I don't know that you... I mean, you you, you, you kind of suggested it, but it's important to note that he is Moondragon's father. Yes. He was driving the car that was zapped by Thanos, and she got taken away because he was Moondragon's father. Not he wasn't some sort of creepy uncle. No, or, no I said Did that. you say it? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is that obviously his sole purpose when he was created was to kill Thanos, and Thanos is now dead in the Marvel Universe. Right. So Drax is finding himself at loose ends. He, one of his powers, I think, is interesting, is that he can sense where Thanos is, and since Thanos is a stone statue <laughs> at the moment, awful. it's probably not very difficult. He's like, nope, still there. Wait, what? Thanos what? is a statue? Yeah. Does he know the Black Knight? Uh, yes, that's how Thanos... Thanos doesn't actually die, I guess. He's not dead in the Marvel Universe. He got turned to stone by Adam Warlock's ghost. So he's fighting in the Crusades. Yes. Hmm. That would be great if the Avengers 
Avengers. I don't know if they'll ever see the Black Knight again. Probably not. No. But it would be great if they went back to the Crusades and <laughs> Thanos was there. I don't necessarily know. It's. I think most people know that the Avengers comics are set in New York City, or most of Marvel's comics are set in New York City because Stanley and Jack Kirby wanted. To, Stanley wanted to use a a real city to step to to differentiate himself from DC, and obviously he and most of his artists had grown up in New York. They knew it, so that's what he used. And you could tell that they really liked the city. I don't think Jim Shooter likes the city. His descriptions in the uh, on the first page of this issue and the narration are not very complimentary towards New York City. Uh, I just thought it was interesting because he basically spends like three huge panels dumping on the city and saying how horrible it is and and dirty and yucky and even if you cover it with snow it still kind of stinks and I was like wow I know you're from Pittsburgh Jim Shooter but you didn't really have to, to dump on this one so much. I also loved the end of the Captain America scene you mentioned the, the, the dorks he's fighting. Yeah, who end up fighting amongst themselves. Who end up fighting amongst themselves, which is wonderful. The one is basically like, Captain America would never run away from the fight. And the other one's like, well, he just did. And they get into this this little Donnybrook amongst themselves, which I found very amusing. I just thought it was funny because Captain had like punched all of them. So these guys basically saying, yeah, Captain America punched me in the face, but he's my hero. You're right, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they're fighting when the cops show up and the cops are like, uh... <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, this is unusual. I also enjoyed uh, Jarvis in his scene where he's um, shoveling snow, mostly because he's muttering to himself like a crazy old man. There's a lot of snow that he's shoveling, and he's basically like, Mr. Stark said get a snowblower, but I said, oh, no, I don't need a snowblower. We Jarvises are a hardy breed. Well, stupid me. I should have gotten a snowblower. I hate this shoveling. I like Jarvis when he gets a chance to be funny, and he doesn't get that chance very often. Also, when, when once Thor blows the snow away, it starts to snow again, and Jarvis is like, oh, I know you don't usually like to use your powers to control the weather for something like this but you know maybe you could just this once i wouldn't have picked jarvis to be a basketball fan though no i wouldn't have shouldn't he like cricket or football yeah but they didn't have like espn 8 back then so he couldn't watch (laughs) right yeah there's no way to get the the cricket game or the rugby game no no Although I'm sure they could have figured it out. Tony Stark could have built a satellite or something. I think we should... <laughs> just for Jarvis to watch cricket. <laughs> it would be great. <laughs> Tony Stark invents cable just for Jarvis. <laughs> we really, I think, are seeing the Wasp. She's still new to this job of being chair of the Avengers. And I think it's really obvious in this issue. She doesn't necessarily have a lot of control over the team. When they find this spaceship, she's like, maybe we should check it out. And Iron Man's like, screw that noise. <laughs> I'm, I'm upset. I want to see what's there. And Thor's like, me too. And, you know, she's like, but maybe we could. But, you know... And nobody's paying any attention to her. But I don't have a problem with that. She's new to this job. She should be a little unsure of herself. And we're going to see that I think she comes into her own very quickly. Plus, she's the wasp. So it's not like it's not like they don't already know her and can just, well, I'm sorry, we're used to ignoring you. So we're just going to keep ignoring you. I thought it was th- this, this, this ship that they get onto. They're told that the ship was programmed to, Iron Man's like, we're already in space. This ship was programmed, or maybe Drax says it was programmed to leave Earth once the Avengers were aboard. That seems a wildly unspecific amount of programming. <laughs> uh, what Avengers are we talking about exactly? This isn't the team that was the team when Moondragon was last on Earth, if we're assuming that she reprogrammed the ship to, to fly off as she, as happened. But isn't, isn't she always keeping track of them? Like, she would know who was on the team. She knew when they wanted to change their ranks. That's true, but I'm assuming, I'm assuming that was before she took control of this planet, because as we'll find out next issue, she's doing a lot with her mental powers, and they're kind of taxed to the limit. So I would think she would have better things to do than figure, you know, to keep track of unless she has a subscription to the comic maybe <laughs> there's quite a few things that don't don't jive in this issue for me and i'm not sure if we need to talk about them now or or next issue well i don't really have very much uh, in way of notes more notes right. i just want to mention one more thing well, and that- we skipped over you were kind of making a good point with them all getting on the ship there and the, the ship would take off 
when the Avengers were on board. But as Captain America's getting pulled up into the tractor beam, he makes a comment about how he maybe should have stayed behind. Yeah, Wasp is like, we shouldn't, you know, again, Wasp is like, let's not just get on the ship while Thor and Iron Man are like, I'm getting on the ship. And Cap's like, oh, yeah, this could be a trap. And, and maybe this is more of Moondragon's compulsions. Well, I'm also wondering what would have happened if Captain America would have stayed behind? Would the ship have taken off? Zoom. Or would have been like, okay, not all the Avengers are on board. I can't leave yet. And it's then they all would have just been standing there forever waiting for something to happen. If you get a really, a really um, obstinate Avenger, this issue may never, may never happen. Four <laughs> issues from now, they're no. all still standing there. I'm not getting on there. But, well, here's my problem. And you bring up her, her compulsion, her compelling them to get on board. And this is my problem. And I, I don't want to give away too much for next issue, but it boils down to, did Moon Dragon send the ship or did... Drax sent the ship. Drax sent the ship, and then Moon Dragon found out he sent the ship and tried to turn it to her advantage. I'm just wondering, like the whole this whole next issue could have been avoided if Moon Dragon just hadn't compelled the Avengers to get on the ship. That is true because the ship was waiting for them. But if they never got on it, the ship would have never. It would just be there. It, it would have been great if, like, it's still there in like 2014 when everyone's an Avenger and poor like Iron Fist and you know <laughs> Jessica Jones or Daredevil get onto the ship and all of a sudden boom they're halfway across the galaxy what if it's just waiting for one of them who's the poor sap that gets on by Any accident Avenger. like jack of hearts gets in and, ah. d-man is wondering think it's thinks it looks warm d-man and sandman it's it's rage and uh <laughs> anyway triathlon the only other thing i want to say is is i actually do like moon dragon and i know she's i she's, know you do and I think she's she's really you could make an argument about how sincere she is when she greets the Avengers' issue and says nice things to them. But I think she is sincere, and she says, "I've I've felt your pain, Jan, as you've been going through the problems with Hank Pym, and I've felt." his which i thought was really cool because obviously he is in pain don't get me wrong i'm not at all saying and we should all feel bad for hank because all he did was hit his wife i'm not saying that <laughs> i'm just saying that you know hank pym it's been a bad bad about a couple of months for him too and, and it's I, I find it that she's but, very egalitarian but in her is she being sincere because we find out next issue that she didn't really want them there yeah and but is I, trying to do her best to trick them into thinking that she needs them. But I still think she's sincere. I don't think anything she does is ever sincere. Oh, see, I, I, I do. I think she genuinely wants... We'll talk about this a lot more next issue. Do we want to move on to the bullpen bulletins? Sure. Uh, bullpen bulletins. Wally Wood died and Larry Hammer wrote the eulogy. Also, Team America number one debuts for all your motorcycle riding adventures. Yeah, Wally Wood, a Silver Age great who never really did much at Marvel and certainly was not important to the Avengers at all. But it is a shame that, you know, to see him pass. There's not really a lot in the bullpen bulletins that has anything to do with us. No, he, Shooter explains what a bullpen is. I why think they, he just made that up. I think so, too. Because he says it's it was, um, he said it was uh, a large room that comics types used to work in. And uh, they were all shooting the bull all the time. But then he also says that they took the word from baseball, baseball which is makes sense. But it makes more sense than that explanation. You can't have two explanations for the same thing. Well, but to me, it boils down to Shooter being like, I don't know why we call it this. It's yeah. just, I need to fill some space. I also didn't know that Marvel published a Dennis the Menace comic, and I can't believe we bought a Team America. So, letters pages? Letters page. I'm baffled, I guess, by how many people seem to think it's possible that Marvel would kill off three of its most famous and important characters in what appears to be a throwaway issue of a team book. Yeah, they, All these people that think the Molecule Man actually killed the big three. Well, yeah, I was a little surprised by that as well. I'm reading the letters and I thought, well, I guess one or two of them were being a little sarcastic. Like, oh no, they killed the big thing. I guess they'll never come back. But I think about fandom nowadays where everyone is so jaded about it. Like, yeah, great. You killed the guy. He'll be back in like three issues. Not just jaded, but remember, 
we all know the comics that are coming out months before they come out. We've got all the internet sites and that sort of thing. You know, in 1982, when the when that comic came out, you had no way of knowing. Maybe Marvel... I mean, you didn't really know if a character was going to die. I mean, now we know when characters are going to die at least three months before it happens. But you didn't really know that then. And while I agree with you, it seems weird that they would think, yes, we've killed off Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America. Their books will be canceled next month. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it, at least at least I can see some, some logic in it that obviously it would never happen now. And that's kind of a shame because there was an excitement of being a comic fan back in the 80s and earlier when you didn't know what was coming down the pike. There was, and all you really had to go off of was that box at the end of the issue that said what was going to happen next issue. But if I recall correctly, the issue before didn't say, hey, everybody's going to die. Tiger is now the chairwoman of the Avengers. <laughs> Sole have, surviving member. She'll have a brand new team with her next episode, or next issue. That's it. That's all I got. What about um, MVP? Mm, I gave it to Wasp for continuously making costumes out of random things. <laughs> I actually gave it to Iron Man. I think he's the most with it this issue. He doesn't make any silly mistakes. I mean, I think he's really, he's firing on all cylinders here. And uh, useless character. I gave it to Captain America. I feel like he was being stupidly apprehensive, uh, first realizing too late that someone should maybe stay behind to see if it's a trap, and then later on when they're on the planet, he says that he can't handle the sky sled, even though one page prior to that, he's easily seen driving it and standing on it like a surfboard. I um, I gave it to the Wasp, actually. I don't really think anyone is useless in this issue. I think with only four members of the team, you can't really afford to have anybody be useless. Yeah, plus, this issue is pretty much just lead up. True, but I gave it to her because I think she's, again, I think she's growing into her role as leader. She's not as forceful as she needs to be. If this was even 10 or 15 issues from now, if she didn't want Thor and Iron Man on that ship, she'd have said, you're not going on the ship, and I think they would have listened. Uh, best quote taken out of context. I don't like the smell of this. I went with, the way Thor is going at it, it doesn't look like he has any doubts. Uh, Avengers level threat? I don't really think so. I don't either. I like Moondragon, but not quite. What about your final grand? I'm giving it a C plus. It's not wow. my favorite, but I don't hate it yet. There's just not really a lot here. Wow. I gave it an A minus. <laughs> what? I really... I Okay, I think the book. Look, I think this book is really beginning to to do something. I I didn't. This was not a lineup. I would never have picked this lineup. But now that we have it, it's kind of cool to see these four Avengers working together because they have such. They've had a relationship for such a long time. But you just said that they're not working together well. That doesn't mean that it's not interesting to see them interact. And again, I also said that while the Wasp isn't the leader she needs to be, I think that makes sense, and I'm all I'm there for it because I think it would be it would actually be all too Jim Shooter if she took the job and all of a sudden was really amazing. Oh, she quits the team next issue didn't i tell you that <laughs> uh, i i feel like these guys are bonding in a way that we haven't seen since like cap's kooky quartet that these four are becoming you know are becoming a, a, a strong unit but this issue is boring and uh convenient and nothing happens How and i all give it an a minus and i also like moon dragon quite a bit i don't know if i've ever mentioned that and i think that moon dragon i think that moon dragon is a character that i think she's interesting because she's not black and white i don't think she's a villain she's white <laughs> <laughs> all right enough of you let's go to the next issue avengers number 220 this is from june of 1982 it is by jim shooter and bob hall and it is called war against the god Iron Man is channeling his inner James T. Kirk with Drax. Damn it, Drax! Snap out of it! Drax doesn't want to snap out of it, but then Iron Man starts hitting him with flashbacks. Drax doesn't understand why Iron Man is telling him things he knows, and Iron Man says, If you're willing to put up with all these flashbacks, you must be mind-controlled. Compelling proof, because I was done with them as soon as they started. Frustrated by the waves of flashbacks, Drax finally snaps, freeing himself from Moondragon's control. The two of them are ready to confront Moondragon as soon as they find the rest of the team. Speaking of, Wasp and Captain America are still hanging out with the former rebels, just chillaxing 
relaxing when Iron Man and Drax show up. The four of them band together and head out to find Moondragon, although Drax is a little too angry for some of the others. Look, guys, he had to endure pages of flashbacks. I mean, I'm still a little angry about it, too. Back to Moondragon's temple, where Thor and Moondragon have apparently just finished with sexy time. Moondragon wants Thor to help her take over the galaxy, just to spread peace, mind you. But he isn't so sure, so she continues to mentally manipulate him until he's completely on board. But what's this? Moondragon feels a disturbance in the Force, as though hundreds of voices called out in panic, and then were suddenly ignored, because Moondragon senses that Drax and the Avengers are on their way. She can't manipulate them mentally, as she stretched her powers to keep the planet under control, but if Thor could hold them off, that would be groovy. Thor agrees. Our quartet of heroes continue their trip to Moondragon's temple, with Drax blasting away at any random Moondragon statue or bust he sees, since apparently her first order of business once she took over was mass production of sculptures of herself. Thor shows up, and everyone's happy to see him until he attacks his teammates. I don't normally recap fights, as that's more Jason's gig, but honestly, this fight takes up most of the issue. Suffice to say, Thor is a powerful guy, and this is a real brouhaha. The Avengers are trying to convince Thor he's being mind-controlled, but they're not pulling any punches either. The problem seems to be that Thor, as a god, considers himself superior to the mere mortals with which he serves, and Moondragon is just bringing that feeling to the surface, kind of like she did when she was a member of the team. Plus, Thor loves her, and even though he knows the love is being forced on him by Moondragon, he still loves her. However, while Thor may love her, Dr. Don Blake, world's greatest doctor, doesn't. So Thor turns back into his secret identity. Whoops, now the Wasp knows it too. But the important thing is that Dr. Don Blake, world's greatest deus ex machina, isn't in love with Moondragon. So now the Avengers can try to take on Moondragon herself. Moondragon, however, isn't about to leave herself defenseless. As the Avengers burst into her room, we find that she's removed her hold on the populace, so she has the power to fight the team. She uses her mental energies to hold the team in place, except for Drax, who simply will not be stopped. He strains against her power and strains and almost makes it to her when he suddenly falls. However, stopping Drax took much of Moondragon's strength, and the rest of the team is now free. Even without her mental powers, Moondragon is a threat, as she's an expert martial artist. However, the Wasp, using the suit jacket of Dr. Don Blake, world's greatest dresser, to cover herself, grows to normal size and knocks out Moondragon with one punch. The heroes take Drax and Moondragon back to the ship that brought them to this planet, and the sextet heads back to Earth, even as the people on this world begin to renew their conflicts with each other. Dr. Don Blake, world's greatest neurosurgeon, is checking out Drax, who's in bad shape. Moondragon, having fried his brain. That's okay, says Drax. My life is pointless now. I welcome death. Then he dies. Now the team is left with the problem of what to do with Moondragon. She killed Drax and took over a planet, but what earthly agency could try her for those crimes? Suddenly, Dr. Don Blake, world's greatest problem solver, turns back into Thor as he has a solution. He takes Moondragon to Asgard to be tried by Odin. Meanwhile, the other three members finally make it back to Earth and disembark, and then watch solemnly as the spaceship flies back up into the atmosphere with Drax's body in it and explodes. We end with a moment of silence for the fallen Drax. Our roll call this issue is Iron Man, Captain America, the Wasp, and Thor. We see Drax, we we see Thanos in a flashback, and we see Odin. And we also have our villain, let's say antagonist, not villain, who is Moondragon. So you have some issues with this issue. I like how Iron Man uh, mansplains Drax's own origin to him. (laughs) That's so true. You know, you're Drax, right? What was the point of that? Iron Man's a jerk. And and this is when my question comes up. So who actually summoned the team? Did Drax send the ship? But then who compelled them to get into it? He doesn't have that kind of power. Why didn't Moondragon just compel the team not to show up? 
it's not like anybody would have known. Well, I mean, I think he certainly, I think he's, again, I think he sent the ship. It was a bit of a, like a Princess Leia recording in R2-D2 there, wasn't it? Yes. And I think that Moondragon... Help me, Avengers, you're my only hope. <laughs> I think that Moondragon compelled the Avengers to get into it because she thought she could control the situation. Because she's a teensy bit arrogant. I don't understand at what point she admits to us that she was already controlling the population. And now suddenly she can't control the Avengers that she was already... Com- compelled to and and she compelled them to get in that ship from like universe or galaxies away and now that they're here she can't control them well it's, it's not that she can't control see there's a difference between control and compel i think in that she was controlling drax i mean well she's not really controlling drax she's just she's just pushing down his his anger and violent side yeah which is what she's doing with the population basically too <sighs> She had quelled all the angry fighting, I guess, amongst the factions on the planet and kind of made them all peace-loving. Yay. There's certainly a kind of wibbly-wobbly, <laughs> yeah, uh, think? Not, not quite nailed down part of Moondragon's powers here. It certainly can something of a problem. Yes. I, what else you got? Uh, my next note says Thor is a moron. I'm not sure why I wrote that down. Well, well, I have a question <laughs> for you. Do you think Thor and Moondragon had sex? Yes. Because isn't it possible that Moondragon just made him think they did? Yeah, sure. But I mean, why wouldn't she? Well, that's a good point. Wasn't I, she kind of angling for it before? And I would have with Thor. So I was just curious. I thought it was... Because she could always compel him to just think he didn't later. Fair enough. Sadly. She, oh, that's why I wrote down, I just saw when you were pushing through the pages there. She, I wrote down Thor's a moron because he oh. thought he could squeeze a, a lump of coal and turn it into a diamond. Yeah. And that's a great scene where he, she gives him a, a piece, in, in trying to convince him, she gives him a piece of coal and he squeezes it and he sees a diamond. And of course, it's not a diamond. It's, it's just, just a bunch of dust. pieces of coal. <laughs> yeah, that's a good... And I, I have in my notes, great wasp scene, but I'm not sure which scene I was talking oh, about. I know which one you're talking about which one do you think i'm talking well it's right after my note that says take that you stupid statue because drax is flying around the planets blowing up all the statues of his daughter and then there's the scene where captain america basically calls wasp fat when he says she's like we need to go faster and he's like there's too much weight on this sky sled (laughs) jan yeah (laughs) so she she shrinks and uh flies alongside him Uh, that's that was what i figured you meant by the great scene no it, it had to have been during the fight with it was during the fight with maybe the fight with thor because of course there's only so much she can do with thor and she tries to convince him she tries to convince thor he's being controlled and um and it's wonderful because she's arguing with him and she's losing so badly and he grabs her and he's like ah, i'm not gonna argue with anymore and throws her away and she's like she's like it's okay throw me away i was losing this argument anyway and she really was but she was trying i'm used to being just tossed aside do you want to punch me my other eyes not uh, black. Uh. i found it odd that moon dragon had tiny costumes lying around to give to jan <laughs> uh yes why Why would she have that? Oh. Look at this costume that Moon Dragon gave me. Why? These Moon cost- Dragon have a dollhouse? These costumes... <laughs> <laughs> I had to strip Barbie, but here you go. Um, Moon Dragon, these costumes, I don't know if you're aware, but these costumes are nothing special. I can't imagine they took that long to make. I mean, it's just something that covers her, basically. It's like a little black one-piece swimsuit thing. Yeah, but I mean, why? How hard would be that? Would that be to make? She made it sound like Moon Dragon had a drawer full of them. <laughs> she probably had... Moon Dragon had one of the women she's controlled women that's horribly sexist she had one of the people she's controlling create them i'm sure she's like hey i need some i need some tiny person costumes get on that she couldn't compel a man to do it he wouldn't know how (laughs) it was horrible i can't believe i said that (laughs) oh my goodness please send your letters to there's a there's a scene is it during the fight where wasps 
thoughts wander about Thor's hotness? Yes. Is this our first glimpse into Wasp flirting with basically every male team member now that she's single? She Well, now that she's single, I mean, she used to do it all the time when she was in the early issues when her and Hank were together. She did it all the time, partly to make Hank jealous and just partly because she liked to flirt with all the men. That explains a lot about their relationship now. But I think this is the first time we've seen it uh, on the new team uh, with, with the new Jan. Yeah, I was, wasn't. I know it. she ends up flirting a lot, and I didn't know if this was like setting that up or if this was kind of a throwaway. You've read further ahead than I have, so I didn't know if it was a... Well, we have an issue coming up in about two episodes where basically the whole issue is a love story with Jan and, and another member of the team. Ah. Spoiler alert, it's Tigra. Um, <laughs> Tigra's back? <laughs> just for that issue. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's definitely more flirting with Jan and members of the team. I have two questions for you. Oh, okay. Why? why? <laughs> Did they really have to blow up the spaceship at the end of the issue? Couldn't they have used that could we just bury Drax and keep the spaceship at Avengers Mansion? I mean, it was like a Viking funeral for an outer space person. But if, well, first of all, Drax—they needed a Hawkeye there to shoot an arrow at it as it flew away. <laughs> Drax is not a Viking, so why does he get a Viking funeral? And I just feel like that's—I mean, how much did that spaceship cost? They didn't buy it. Yeah, but but it, they, if they had to buy it, how much would it cost? I mean, it was like many, another middle finger to Moondragon too. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it was, was her stupid ship. ship. Yeah. What do you think about this? I just felt like they could have—they were compelled to destroy it. <laughs> I just kind of feel like. If I were them, I'd have put it in, you know, in the Quinjet dock at Avengers Mansion for the next time, you know, Thanos or somebody attacked Earth. The Skrulls or the Kree got, got antsy. But can't the Quinjets go into space? Well, sometimes. Yeah, so. It depends. Depends who's writing the book that month. <laughs> they get out their twister spinner and they spin it and they go, oh, right foot red, we can fly into space today. <laughs> My other question is this. Were they right to stop Moondragon? I don't really care. Jason, I can't have debates with you if you refuse to take either position. I wasn't quite sure what the problem was with Moondragon. Other than Moondragon, you know, really exerting herself and putting so much energy into controlling these people who probably didn't want to be controlled, but at the same time were probably happier being controlled. And that's exactly, this is, this takes us back to the Korvac saga, the Michael saga with her, it's just you know, not quite as annoying. With, well, not quite as long. With her, you know, with, with her idea at the end of the fight, after she starts the fight, basically being like, oh, whoopsie, we shouldn't have killed him. He just wanted universal peace. Uh, that's basically what's going on here. She wants peace. So then she she was inspired by her tears to go to go make peace on some far off planet. Well, I think it's, but I do think it's a, it's a point you have to, you have to consider because as you say, this planet, I mean, she, granted, we only have Moondragon's word on how horribly violent this planet was before she took it over. But if she's even partially correct in how horribly violent it was, you know, she needs needs to i mean she she did these people an amazing service she saved thousands maybe millions of lives and you know what they just lost a little bit of freedom here's an interesting question though and i don't remember i don't remember this detail from the story the rebel leaders that she did she compel them to attack the city yes Okay, so they were peaceful, and she made them angry. Yes. And then she made them peaceful again. Y- yes. Okay. That's weird. Well, she she wanted to give the Avengers something to do. If you don't give them something to do, they get really, really antsy. It would have been it would have been a funnier issue if she would have compelled them to show up there, and then once they got there, there was like nothing going on. Just wanted to say hi. Just thanks for stopping by. I look, at this, you, look at this big house I have. I thought you needed a vacation, Jan, and also wanted to have sex with Thor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what you I don't care what you and Cap do, Tony. All right, bullpen bulletins. Do you have anything? I just wrote down that there is nothing. 
relevant to the podcast. The only thing that's relevant it seems like more rambling than last month's. Jim Shooter gives out awards to people in the bullpen, and he gives the fastest coloring award to his five-year-old daughter. And no, I'm just kidding. To colorist Christy Scheel for the uh, Avengers number two sixteen, which was the first part of the Molecule Man storyline. It's the only thing on the page that's Avengers related. How about letters? David Schmidt of Brooklyn thinks that the Molecule Man issues were the best he's ever read, which makes me believe they are the only issues he's ever read. <laughs> he uh, quote shudders to think what might have happened had Tiger not spent that one moment off panel convincing Molecule Man to be a good guy. We all shudder to think. Shudder to think. It would have been three parts. Wow, I really wonder what would have happened if they hadn't done that thing that they didn't actually show that made the problem go away. Yeah, I wonder what would have happened if they hadn't uh, cheated at the last minute to get us a resolution to the problem they'd created. <laughs> and uh, just a general observation for the letters page, what is the obsession over Alan Weiss's artwork? I do not know. We talked about this a little bit in that in that episode, and I don't get it. It's not bad, but it's not. I'm not I'm not wetting myself. And I feel like I've never heard of him. Yeah, me neither. Like, you would think of, like, like if Kirby was the type that just popped in every once in a while and did some artwork and you knew Kirby's artwork when you saw it and you looked forward to Kirby showing up to do some artwork, you'd be like, oh, Jack Kirby's back. But then like, Alan Weiss, who? Well, and that's the other thing, because when you think of fame, and poor Alan Weiss, Alan Weiss, if you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> but when you when you think of famous artists, you know, your Jack Kirby's or your Frank Miller's or your... Or even your Wally Woods, who's now passed. Or your, I mean, I mean, even to the present time with your Joe Mads and your Jim Lees and your Tom McFarlane's, they have a distinctive style. Sure. And I didn't really feel like Alan Weiss had a really distinctive style nope it, it wasn't it wasn't i don't know i i don't understand it but you know it's not 1983 we have a lot more artists i, I think that well that would make the point even worse though there were fewer artists back then so mm-hmm. you would think that there would be even a bigger deal but i have no idea who this guy is no i really don't one he's done so little in the way of comic books i mean just did he do something else was he like a pop artist or a he'd no. well i don't know he did a smattering of, of comic books was he like was a it. tv show host or something <laughs> did he do a game show graphics he yeah, right. He did. Uh, he was the first. He was the first host for Press Your Luck. Is that it? That's all I got. Yeah. Thomas Purdy of Ridgewood, New Jersey, asks why Tony Stark didn't die during the Molecule Man issues when his armor was destroyed. Um, apparently, oh right. And this right. is something we never talked about, and probably should have. If those of you that remember back to the early podcast, Tony Stark created the Iron Man armor because his heart was injured, and the Iron Man armor basically kept his heart beating, and he couldn't take it off for long periods of time. He couldn't take the chest plate off at all, as we've seen in the Marvel movie universe as well uh the we we used to have those wonderful panels <laughs> where he had to plug himself into the where wall he was sitting while he's smoking a cigarette exactly <laughs> doing what you do when you have a poor heart which is smoke cigarette with his armor plugged into the wall but when he got when he got his own comic when he stopped being in tales of suspense and got a, his own iron man comic and i think it was when archie goodwin was writing it he had a doctor i think deciding that certain plot point had run its course had a doctor come in and do a, an operation and he no longer needs the armor to stay alive they gave him a chestectomy probably <laughs> probably something important important enough that we should have mentioned it on the podcast but they had stopped using it in the comic they'd stopped using it in the avengers comic as a plot point long before then yeah and it never came up in the avengers that it had been fixed so we never yeah so we never really told yeah it just slipped my mind so anywho uh mvp maybe iron man for shaking drax out of his funk and then kind of holding his own against thor i went for the wasp i think she's not only is she a little bit stronger as a leader in this issue but she gets to punch moon dragon in the face and knock her out useless character thor fallen prey to the booty <laughs> uh yes i actually went with cap because at least thor is kicking butt when he's fighting the team whereas cap just i think he's he's not bad i just don't think he does a whole lot uh best quote it looks like you know who has done you know what to you know who i went with 
Harder. Harder. It's to the point. Like yeah, it. well. Yeah. Uh, Avengers level threat. M- Moon Dragon? No. Thor? Probably. I think I think Moon Dragon on our own is a little iffy, but if you have got Moon Dragon and Thor, yeah, I think they can take the team. Yeah. I think the two of them together are a very dangerous threat. Funnel grade. I gave it a C. I, I gave up a little bit. Uh, by the end, though, none of it made any sense, and I'm not sure why it happened. I, uh, I, I went down a little bit. I gave it a B+. Oh, I we're still getting like closer it. to each other. Yeah, we're getting there. I still liked it more than you did. But I find that there are this issue, I think, really kind of underlines some of the plot problems from last issue. Plus, the first like four pages of this issue are flashbacks, and we know how I feel about flashbacks. But we needed to know Drax's origin. Drax needed to know his origin. <laughs> Apparently. But the fight, I will say, I think the fight scenes in this issue are great. It's kind of fun to see the team going against Thor. I'll give you that. On our next episode, a Defender's villain gets into a domestic squabble. The Mechanomarauder tries once again to wreak some havoc. And we add a couple members to the lineup that's it hey thanks for listening to our new podcast with our new equipment and our new voices no yeah kind of it's new, weird it's a new voice it's weird uh if you want to get in touch with us please send us email mail at avenginghour.com you can find us on twitter and instagram at avenging hour we have a facebook page and our website is avenginghour.com leave us some reviews on itunes do whatever you can yeah we would love the uh, skywriting. The iTunes reviews would be greatly appreciated. And if you want to do some advertising, let us know. I'll drop anything. You give me 20 bucks. You'll drop anything. That's going to be my quote taken out of context for next, <laughs> for next episode. That'll be, that goes on the front of the, of the DVD box. Jason drop says, anything I'll drop anything. Anything to add? Oh, I think I'm good. All right, then. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye.